Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. some glory amen sometimes your God just want to teach you how unstoppable he is and so we thank God that there is no mountain too big for him to overcome in our lives let's stand to our feet and get into the word that prepares us for any mountain somebody say any mountain yeah, let's get in the word. Ephesians 6, 17b. Let's dig into the scriptures. One, two, three, read. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk about the sufficiency of the word of God. The sufficiency. Somebody say sufficiency. Look at somebody next to you say, neighbor. I don't know whether you know it or not, but the word of God is enough for me. Look at somebody on the other side, say, neighbor, I don't know whether you know it or not, but the word of God is enough for me. Let's give God a hand praise right there. Lord God almighty. Give us a word and help us how to use it. Today, teach us how to fight with it. Teach us how to swing with it. And honor your name in every single area of our life. Lord God, bring us out of complacency and help us to go into and have a spirit of commitment and fire and might that reflects your heart and your mind. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. The sufficiency of the word of God. Some years ago, I was putting together a bookcase. And as I was putting together the bookcase, the bookcase seemed pretty easy to put together. And so what I began to do is I began putting the bookcase together but I began to put the bookcase together uh, using uh, um, certain tools. And as I was putting together, I was doing damage to the bookcase and not able to put the bookcase together in a way that was fashionable by the manufacturer. Um, And so I ended up finding out that the manufacturer had tools in the actual box that came with it to put the bookcase together. And what I had to do, which was harder than just doing it if I did it right the first time, was I had to take everything apart and then appropriate the tools that the manufacturer had appointed in order to use it to properly 
put the bookcase together because when you use the right tools to put the bookcase together correctly, it will be stable and it will be able to function in its purpose. But if you use the wrong tools, everything won't be put together as tightly as it's supposed to be in order for it to walk in and be in its purpose. Same thing in your life. Many of us in our lives are using the wrong tools to put ourselves back together with. Many of us in our lives don't realize that God is the manufacturer of us and that the word of God is sufficient as a tool to deal with every single thing in our life. But the challenge for us as believers is we're not confident in the word of God. That's why there's always so much attack on the word of God in our culture. There is no other resource that's ever been under as much attack as the word of God. I mean, you have Plato's uh, writings that were oral tradition for almost 800 years before it was put on paper. In, uh, in 1200 uh, BCE, uh, it was oral tradition and it wasn't put on paper until 600 AD. And it's only really a few copies um, of it that's available based on that oral tradition and putting it together. But the word of God has over, the New Testament alone has has over 5,000 manuscripts, multiple witnesses, but everybody wants to come against uh, the word of God. When we have more proof that the word of God is a historical document than any other book or any other resource in the universe, you have the comedics trying to tell us that Christianity came down from Kemet or Egypt and that it was written based on the 42 laws of Ma'at and all of these different things and, and, and you begin to lay all of this out and ask them, they say, Jesus and Serapis, and they start laying all of this stuff out about uh, uh, Jesus' missionaries coming out of Egypt, which really is only 200 years old, and they call Christianity the white man's religion as black folk, but not realizing that Christianity is an all-people religion, but they don't realize that where they got that from is only two years, 200 years old from white mystics in theosophy that they got that information from, so they're trusting 200-year-old information, not recognizing that their 2,000-year-old information now Next to it that helps us to recognize that the authentication of the word of God is, su is sufficient. There are more documents of the Old and New Testament than any other document, but we're always under fire. The beautiful thing about it is the church has been under attack for over 2,000 years, and the powerful thing about it is that it has endured the test of time. That's why I never get scared when another group comes up bumping their gums because we've survived worse than this. We've survived the Roman Empire. We've survived Marcion. We survived the pre-Edict uh, uh, pre, uh, of Milan. We even survived the Constantinian overtaking of Christendom. And even now we are still standing globally as a multi-ethnic global community who love one another and love God and are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is sufficient. And not only is it sufficient, is it's been preserved over and over and over again. They're always finding something new. They said Nebuchadnezzar didn't exist and Daniel didn't exist. But then the archaeologists pulled up some stuff and realized that there was a column of hieroglyphics that showed uh, Belshazzar 
who is Daniel, and, and they showed Nebuchadnezzar on it and realized that they exist. They said Hittites never existed. But then they, uh, they uprooted some things and found Hittite treaties and found out the Hittites actually exist. They, I can keep going on and on and on. I, 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 I got time here because I'm excited by the fact that no type of mystical uh, pseudo-philosophy of scholarship that they bring up can come against the word of God. So we come here because you need confidence in the word. You don't merely need confidence in the word for arguments against Christianity. You need confidence in the word for arguments against your soul. As many of you today are more filled with the philosophy of the world than the word of God. But God wants to take you past you and I both pass what we're filled with to be filled with him. So we come here to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17b. And this brings me to my first of only points. If you're going to know the all-sufficiency of the word of God, number one and only point, you must learn your Bible and use it. That's, that's the point I want to make today. That's, that's all I want to say. You, you must learn. Somebody say learn. learn. Yeah, you, you, you must learn your Bible and use it. Somebody say use it. Use it. Come on, somebody. Amen, says. Amen. Verse 17, verse B, it says take. Somebody say take. Now, the take is for both the helmet and the sword. You learned last week that there's a transition here from putting on, from clamping to now taking, grabbing, or picking up. <laughs> if you remember what we talked about last time, when we talk about taking, the idea means to grab, and the, 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 the language in the original means to, to, to grab or take up for yourself. That means, look at me, family of God, preaching is limited. Okay. Y'all gonna get this in a second. Teaching is limited. Equipping is limited. Life groups is limited. Sunday morning service is limited. Wednesday night Bible study is limited. But there comes a point to where you have to walk away from the pouring stations trying to get full service like you in Jersey and you got to get out your own car and pump your own gas. At some point, believer, you gonna have to grab the word. Now, now there are, we got the CSB, the ESV, the NASB, the CEV, the NEV, the NET, the KJV, the NKJV, the Application Bible, the Apologetics Bible, the Study Bible. We got lexicons. We got a Bible hub. We got all this online, and believers got more word around them than anybody in history, more tools at their fingertips, and we still walking around in a drunken stupor as if we can't get in God's word. And you got to get up off your Watusi and get in the doggone Bible. Christians, 
it's time out for letting people run through you. Just, just getting ran over like we're a weak defensive line. Ain't nothing worse than seeing one person run through an entire defensive line. That's the equivalent of the way some of us get ran through by these cats out here in these streets. It's time for you, Christian, to be a monster in the book. That means it ain't just for Pastor E. It ain't just for the deacons. It ain't just for your favorite podcast uh, 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 person. You have to be able to study to show yourself. Approve. <laughs> a workman not ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Somebody say take. Yeah, we have to begin as believers to take up the word. What it says here, it says the sword of the spirit. Now what's interesting here is sword here is a word that actually means dagger. In other words, it's not a long broad sword that you use far off. It's used for close combat. In other, in, other, in other words, in other words you, you, you have a striking distance that something gets in within your range and you can go international stab ministry. In the spirit. Some of y'all was like, Pastor, y'all got switchblades like in the 70s. Warriors come out to play. Never mind, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Dating myself. The sword is a dagger. It's a, it's a close range tool. But, but it's also an offensive tool. In other words, mostly everything that we see so far has been what you utilize to deflect getting hit. Most of us only think that God has prepared us for defense. <laughs> but God has prepared you for offense. That means that you should be moving forward, not merely waiting to get hit. That means, we're gonna show what that looks like in a second. That means in your life as a believer, this, this, this sword or the sword that's sourced in the spirit, it can, it can be translated, that the sword that's sourced in the spirit, this is not the spirit's sword. It's sourced in him. Now, how does it work? <clears throat> the sword is what you take up by getting in the word. Now, the spirit does not put the word in you. We'll talk about that in a second. The spirit only works with the word that's in you. So, many of us are walking around and the Holy Spirit isn't armed. to help us. It's not his fault, it's your fault. Because you and I are supposed to be armed. How do I know? Because the Bible says in, in, in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, and the spirit himself will bring back to your remembrance all those things I have taught you. If you don't have any word within you to work with, the chef in your soul has no ingredients to cook with. 
Help me, Holy Spirit. He said, nah, you help you and then I can help you. Because I helped you by bringing you into the body of Christ and giving you the tool. Now it's time for you to exert some energy and get your lazy behind in the Bible instead of jumping on a podcast all the time. We want everybody to do the work for us. But it's time for you men and women. That means ladies, you don't need to wait to get in a relationship to be led. Don't get mad at me. I'm just waiting for somebody to lead you. The Bible says he will lead you. And so some of y'all are frustrated that you don't have no male leadership when God is waiting for you to take initiative. Us as the people of God have to be committed to utilizing and picking up the sword that the Lord has given us. But it's, it says the sword of the spirit, check this out, which is the rhema of God. Let's stop there. Now, it's interesting that he doesn't use the word lagos, which is the normal word that's used when it comes to the word of God in the New Testament. Old Testament is debar. New Testament equivalent is lagos, but it has more mystical connections to wisdom, even though it's rooted in Jesus Christ and the written word. Are you tracking with me? And so what happens now is rhema, what makes rhema sometimes can be used the same way as lagos in some ways, and just pointing to the word of God. But rhema means spoken word. Now, let's clarify this. Some of us will say, I need a rhema word. Now, now, only some of my charismatic siblings know what I'm talking about. Rhema word means that was a word in season, Pastor. Amen. Thank you for the rhema word. Hey, God, I thank you for the rhema word. I don't know what everybody means, but it it feels good when they say it. (laughs) But to be honest, the Bible never calls human words rhema. The spoken word is only the written word verbally communicated through the believer. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. In other, in other, in other, word, in other words, in other words, we're supposed to, the only way for this sword to work is for you to say it. You can't just think the word. You can't just read the word. You have to have the word inside of you. That's why he says, that word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my pathway. That's why he says, I have hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against me. That's why James in James 21 says, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. That's why, like I said, your word, oh God, will not come back void, but it will accomplish that which it went out to do. See, you got, I feel you're welling up. You're a believer. The reason why you feel the Holy Ghost right now is because that's the word of God nurturing you right in your soul as it's being spoken out of my mouth. Yeah. When you talk about the sword of the spirit, we're talking about several things as it relates to this all, this weapon. One of the things I like about 
the sword of the spirit is it's tucked in the word of, in the belt of truth. That's where you put it. So the way to get the sword is you got to pull it out in truth. Oh, I need me a running church right there. Because right there is, that means you have to use the word rightly. That means, I'm getting ahead of myself, you can't use a pride verse on a lust issue. You can't pull out a licentious verse on a greed issue. In other words, in order, it will miss in the swing and you'll get hit because that word, that sword isn't meant for that issue. And so that means you'll still get cut and you'll wonder, I was just, the word of God is not like some magical thing you leave open beside your bed to keep demons away. And just because it's present, there's an aura that comes off of it and demons say, oh, the Bible's in there. No, it doesn't work like that. We think we can just say, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. John 3, 16, you know, we're just throwing stuff out there and it doesn't work that way. The power outlet has to be connected to the right source in order to fuel it for your swing. And so when we look at the beauty and power of the word of God, I love the fact that the word of God is powerful. Bible says in Hebrews 11.2, it says, by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God. That means that God used his word, not faith. That's heresy. God doesn't need to believe. Some people use that verse as a name and claim it, blab it, grab it, call it, haul it verse. They say, see, God had faith in the word of God. No, he is the word of God. And so when he speaks, stuff happens. So we believe that when God speaks, stuff happens. So much so... That I love the way Genesis goes. It says, and the Lord said, and it was. And the Lord God said, and it was so. And the Lord God said, it was so. Let there be light, and light was. Let there be expanse, and expanse was. Let there be water, and the water was. Let the earth produce fruit. Stuff just jumped up out of the ground. Bible says, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. The sun just said, ah, he just yawned and appeared. And, and the moon just said, uh, I'm going to reflect you. And then all of a sudden, he said, let there be a swarm in the world. All of a sudden, piranhas just appeared out of nowhere and just going all around, swimming, swimming all over the place. I just love it. It said, and God said, let the earth produce living creatures. All of a sudden, uh, an antelope started galloping, out of the, came out of the tree somewhere. I don't even know where they came from because God's word is so powerful. Then he looked at it after he made man with his own hands. Man is the only thing he didn't speak because he wanted to hands-on touch us. <laughs> then he said, God walked around with, with, with eternal swagaliciousness <laughs> at everything he spoke into existence. And he said, hmm, even I'm impressed. That's when you know you fly. You create something. You walk around it like this. It's like, look at this. Look at this. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at how I roll. That's what God did. God said, and it is good. It's very good. In other words, he said, it's good, good. Yeah. 
The beauty of that reality, family, is that if God's word has that much power to bring something out of nothing, what can it do in our lives if we just properly harness it and properly appropriate it? Me and my wife was having an argument this week, bad argument. And I, I didn't want to be around her. Yeah, I, I'm honest with, we honest with our stuff. Y'all can act like ain't nothing wrong with your little life. <sighs> and, 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 and this is how the Holy Spirit works on me. I was listening to the devil at that point. I, I'm telling you, I was like, man, forget her, man. I ain't talking to her. I'm going somewhere else. I ain't speaking to her. That was the devil just speaking all through me. <clears throat> Holy Spirit was like, oh, oh you going you gonna, you gonna to just preach on spiritual warfare, right? <laughs> now, let's apply, let's apply some warfare here. Now, I can't tell the Holy Spirit to be quiet, so I have to kind of listen. He said, what should you be doing here? I'm like, golly, can I just be angry? And then Holy Spirit was like, I'm gonna leave you in your anger and you get what you get when you sow it. And I was like, all right. So I said, and the two shall become one. Then I went and re-engaged her. She just hearing that for the first time. She didn't know why I came back. She thought it was the text message she sent. That's funny. You be in the same house texting each other. That's another thing in marriage. You, you in the basement, they didn't text you. <laughs> you just going you just gonna leave. That's what she said. You just gonna walk out. I said the Holy Spirit brought me back up here. Not your little text message. Amen. Y'all know Pastor Petty. I'm Petty. <laughs> I, I said last week. That was last night, actually. <laughs> Pastor, I'm just keeping it real, y'all. I'm, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> Holy Spirit, like, you actually going to get up and talk about the sword in the morning. I will not be there with you. Like literally. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm so real with that stuff, y'all. You must have a comprehensive sense of the power of God's word. <clears throat> the Bible says in Matthew chapter one, I mean chapter, chapter four, that the Holy Ghost led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, the Bible says in Philippians 4 that he viewed equality with God too, not a thing to be grasped, but laid aside the privileges of his deity and was found in the likeness of human flesh, meaning he became human. So in his incarnation, he didn't stop being God. He just laid aside his use of his attributes. In his incarnation is straight humanity functioning. He goes out in the wilderness in humanity. And the devil waits 
not the first day, not the 10th day, not the 20th day, not the 30th day, but on the last day of the fast. He waited until Jesus was at his weakest. Y'all know in the flesh Jesus was weak. That doesn't mess up my Christology because weak doesn't mean imperfect. Oh, that's another sermon. The devil always waits to your most vulnerable moment to be the devil. Somebody missed that. And he began asking him identity questions. If you are the son of God, that's, that's an identity question. Has the devil ever asked you if you really are who you are? He asked God if you're really God. Satan is a wild boy. But what I like about Jesus is Jesus didn't like open up a piece of his skin and like pierce some glory on like a bow, hit him with that and rolled out. He didn't do that. He didn't say, Satan, I rebuke you right now. He didn't do that. He said, it is written. Why is that so important? Because if Jesus needed to fight the enemy with what's written, how much more do you and I need to fight? Now you gotta understand, Jesus didn't just know all the word of God, he had to memorize it in his humanity. And that means he had to go to the scroll and open it and find the place. There weren't verses and numbers. So that means he had to go through it. That, he had to do work to know the word of God. And he said it is written over and over and over again. And what I like about the passage is that at the end of that mug, he says, so Satan left him. And then it gives an appendix until he can find a more opportune time. Just because Satan left that time in your life don't mean he won't be back. Anyway, anyway, the Bible says in James 4, 7, it says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from him. What are some ways to resist? Let's put those up if we have them. <laughs> Number one is meditate and memorize. Memorization and meditation. Uh, Psalm 1, 2 says, on your law doth I meditate day and night. Mem memorization and meditation. Someone says, how do I memorize? If you study, it'll just stick. Them cards don't work. Some of y'all, it may work for y'all. But if you, if, you, if you quote verses outside of its context, then the Holy Spirit won't help you with it. So study helps you to know what it means and what it does and when to appropriate that particular thing. All right? And so, and so, and so memorization. But then there's also meditation. The word meditate means to chew. <laughs> the, the idea points to how cows roll. Y'all seen a cow been on a Lancaster somewhere? You see the cows on the side of the road like this? They're the chillest animals ever, man. They just chill, look around at you a little bit, chew some grass. And what they do is they swallow it, then they bring it back up. Nasty, right? 
but they keep chewing the cud, I mean chewing and swallowing, chewing and swallowing in order to maximize nutrients so that they can extract out of it everything that they need in order for their growth and development and in order to feed their young. <laughs> and so you, in your life, you need to meditate on the word of God. That means sometimes you have to put your phone down. Sometimes you got to put your phone, well, I use my phone for my Bible. Let me tell you this, do that. But I don't, I don't know many of us that have self control. We'd be reading the word, then all of a sudden something pop up and then we over there. Put the jaw down. Pick up an actual Bible. Pull out a highlighter and a pen. Cross-reference stuff. Highlight and underline stuff. If verses are similar, write the other verse from the other one over in the verse you're in, and then go over to the other verse you're in, write the verse that you were in over here, so you can create your own cross-reference and study stuff and write meanings of words in the margin. In other words, the Bible that's falling apart is a life that's not. <laughs> Meditation and memorization. Um, evangelism. Verse 19, he prays for the open door for the word. It's asking for strength. That means evangelism is a form of swinging your sword. I mean, sometimes y'all are mad at people that you should be sharing the gospel with. <laughs> the, the issue is you don't need to give them a piece of your mind. You need to give them the gospel. Because you can make your relationships a lot better if you started opening your mouth and sharing the gospel with people so that they can be changed and your arguments will end. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Next, contend for the faith. First Peter, first Peter 3, 15 says and reads thusly. Y'all still trekking with me, right? It says, but in your heart regard Christ or set aside Christ, the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense or apologetic or apologia to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that is within you. That means that you need to be able to answer somebody's question sometime. And if you don't know the answer, be able to say, I'm going to go back, but we are going to chop it up. I'm not running. I'm going to come back with this one. Because many of us getting floored by people. You know what I'm saying? And you need to be able to, to, to be able to defend from that. You know, um, you don't know, but the Jehovah's Witnesses actually have a script booked for every denomination that they go share the gospel with. Well, not the gospel. I'm, let me just back that up. Share with. Because it ain't the gospel. All right. Hebrew Israelites have a script for you. When they're out there going back and forth, give me, give me, give me a, give me a, a Isaiah 50, uh, 55, 6. Uh, uh, over there, give me a, give me a Matthew 5, 14. Give me a, uh, uh, and they be doing all that. They memorize all of that, all of those scripts. And what they do is you, they just start hitting you with stuff. And it, but what you got to say, hold on, let's stop. Stay, let's open together and read the whole chapter. Nah, nah, nah. See, that's the white man. See, he, see, listen, Esau got you. And see, they all over the place. No, you got to keep bringing it. Come on, let's bring it back in. Esau not here. It's me and you. It's me and you. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Jehovah Witnesses. Jehovah Witness came to my door and, you know, I'm like, my wife said, oh, Lord. And, you know, when they come to the door, y'all come in. They get scared when you say come in. They say, oh, Lord. You know, I let them give me the spill, and they got, you know, 
You know, and nobody in heaven is no other color. You know, it's just on there, you know, like that. And, um, and I began asking questions. I'm like, so who is Jesus? He's the son of God. And you're like, oh, they believe. You got to dig deeper. What do you mean by the son of God? Oh, you mean the archangel Michael. Show me in the Bible where it is. Well, Joseph, I'm not talking about Joseph Smith. You got to be, you got authority. You better stop letting people run. Well, I, all I know is my pastor teach. If you ever say that in evangelism, that what I say, you don't repeat as I'm saying it. You just, you go check it and say, God said, if God said it, you don't say my pastor said nothing because my word will come back void. Well, you say, my pastor said, and then, you know what I'm saying? Like, then the Holy Spirit ain't in none of that. You understand what I'm saying? But, but then we go from contending to rebuking. Rebuking means to expose and bring the light. Bible said the word of God is, you know, is breathed out by God. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for rebuking. I like that. You can rebuke somebody without saying, I rebuke you. You can just tell them the opposite of what they said, which leads us to the next one, correcting. And this is what's interesting about the word correct. Are y'all still tracking with me? I'm just trying to give y'all some practical stuff. We're going to take our time with this because I'm going to finish this. Um, it says improvement. How many of us correct people to improve them? Or are we trying to, I, see, I told you that's what the Bible said. I told you. That's not the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a sincere faith, and a clear conscience. The goal of our instruction isn't to destroy somebody. That's why you see them Hebrew Israelite videos that say, this Christian pastor destroyed. Like, who does that? And so, 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 so we, we, our desire is to possibly bring someone to repentance. And so we're not trying to win arguments, we're trying to win souls. Exhortation. To come alongside of someone. That's another way, exhortation, the next one. Exhortation, come alongside of someone, it says, and then teaching and training in righteousness. But now, what are some ways to deflect in your life and others deeds of the flesh? Galatians 5, 19 through 22. <laughs> I like the way it says in, um, in Galatians, it says, um, and the deeds of the flesh are evident. And then afterwards it said, it, it'll name all this stuff and then say, and the like, meaning this ain't it, you know. These are just some, some of the things that people be wild and all that. Number one that you can deflect is greed. How do you do it? This is practically how you use your sword. Practically, greed. Number one, if you're dealing with greed, then you need to fight greed with generosity. <laughs> that means if you're greedy and you don't want to share with nobody, guess what you do? And you know we like that then guess what you do? You give as a way to fight against your desire not to share with nobody. That's what the Bible says. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's why the Bible says, don't loan money out, just give it out. Listen, let me tell you something. This is real practical. I don't want to be mad at nobody, so I only give the money if, I, if I'm cool with not getting it back. If I ain't cool with not getting it back, I ain't got it. Just that simple. Because do you know how many relationships are broken over that? Lust. How do you fight lust? Knowing that you are a temple 
to your spirit. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, that you are a temple of the spirit. Therefore, glorify God in your body. That means when you're ready to click on something on your Instagram feed that you ain't got no business. Men and women. We act like that's a problem only for men. But it's the secret sin of women as well. Can you tell yourself, okay, if you're tempted and you're in the middle of being tempted to do something you ain't got no business as it pertains to lust, if you open your, if you keep your Bible beside you and you open up the 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you think you can pick that back up and look at it? Some people say, mm, I might. <laughs> and then it says, glorify God in your body. Guess what you do? You're just like, dang, that don't even match. On to the next one. That's what we have to do in our lives. I'm just giving y'all some practical stuff. Let's go down to pride. Pride, there's some other stuff in there. Matter of fact, let's go down to legalism. 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 You fight with Christ's righteousness, Philippians 3.9. Pride. You fight with humility. It says, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you're dealing with idolatry, Ezekiel 14.6 is a dope one. Talking about idolatry in our hearts, particularly here in the leaders, and it's talking about uprooting idolatry to the worship of the true God, Yahweh. Ezekiel, I mean, um, I'm sorry, um, envy and jealousy, you fight with contentment. Okay, ain't nobody gonna say nothing right there. That's why Bible says that I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. Why? Because the enemy will always use the lack of harvest in your life to show you harvest in somebody else's life. Ain't nobody going to talk back right there. And your temptation will be to get angry with God and hate on them because God hasn't given you what you've been asking for in your life, but they seem to be getting what you want. And instead of being content with what God has you, you begin to being frustrated with the fact that he hasn't given it to you. And the enemy will use that as a playground for you to use illegitimate mechanisms to get what God already has for you in illegitimate ways. But if you're walking in contentment, then you're saying, I'm learning to be, for God to be enough now, even though God hasn't given me what I want now. Huh. strife and quarrels, peacemaking. Some of us messy, amen. Guess how you work on that? Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what you gotta tell yourself. When you wanna be messy, say blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Quote that to yourself when you're ready to set it off. Right? Outburst of anger. I know ain't nobody in here got no outburst of anger. Some of us, again, that's a set it off thing. We wanna set it off and let people know that I ain't to be messed with. You better be, the way we say, well, you better be glad I'm saved. That's a passive aggressive communication that I, I can knock you out. Like, I can't clean cock you, but I'm being humble. Because I know I know you out, but I'm being real humble right now. Humble, 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 humble. You know how we do. You know. The Bible says that one of the fruit of the Spirit, it's the ID card of the fact that you're in a relationship with Christ, is that you can be nice to someone. Listen, I know I'm saved because a guy that betrayed, betrayed me, I, 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 I ministered to him this week. I'm saved. I know I know the Lord. 
Because I'm the type of Negro, you cut me, I cut you off. But I know I'm filled with nine different flavors of the Holy Spirit. I know I'm saved. I know, I know I'm in walking and resurrected life. Because the way this dude cut me, and the Lord said, call him. He's going through something. And you need to minister to him because he needs you. And my wife said, yeah, call him. You know, wives always. <laughs> Holy Spirit number two, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she's a virtuous woman. You know, she's a virtuous woman. <laughs> I'm almost done. But why am I saying this? That's how you know that God is working on you. I'm done. Um, when another country <clears throat> shoots a missile at us, the way to deflect it is you have to have a missile of equal or greater value, a patriarch missile, to go up and hit it and shoot it and intercept it at enough speed to where the impact won't be as close if they collide near you. Listen, listen, family. You need to use the word of God that way to begin to clash with the enemy. It's time this week. Because guess what's going to happen? I told y'all, everybody texted me and Facebooking me last week saying, Pastor, I have my pop quiz. Guess what you're going to have this week? Pop quiz. And you're going to, and so therefore, today, today, not tomorrow, you're going to need it today. Pick three things in your life that you know is a major issue. And I want you to get a Bible verse on each one of those things and study it starting today. Today. And to not, not, well, I'm going to get in today. Because this week, I promise you, one, if not all of those things are going to be on your plate and the enemy is going to engage you with it and you're going to need your sword out. I'm done. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for your work. God, help us to use the word by your might and power to encourage and strengthen your people. Thank you, Jesus, for the spoils that come with salvation. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. You've never placed your confidence in the one who gives you the ability to become a defender. And also victorious. Christ's death on the cross is sufficient to take you from disconnection with God to connection with God. Maybe you're here today and you need to place your confidence in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. His death on the cross, his anger, God's anger towards sin being poured out on him instead of us. If you want to trust Jesus as Savior, by placing your confidence in the fact that he died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the grave. Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you. Anyone today says, I want to say yes to Jesus. I, I want this victory you're talking about. I want this ability to spiritually fight. You can have hands in the flesh all you want. But if you don't have spiritual hands, it's over, family. God wants to save you and give you hands for his glory. Anybody, anybody that says, I want to say yes to Jesus Christ today. Amen. Let our men come. As our men come and we get ready to celebrate um, the Lord's table. Look up there. And I want you to pray this prayer.
today as a way of you learning how to put on or pick up your sword. One, two, yeah, sister stood. Let's stand together. Let's do that. Y'all can go ahead and start passing our communion as we're praying. One, two, three, pray. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.